Hey friends, welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this time together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a weekly blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. We each make thousands of decisions every day. Most of them are minor routine choices, but some of them are high-level decisions with potentially major implications. What if there was a filter through which you could run life's decisions that, if you acted on your conclusions, could help you avoid regret and bring clarity to life? Well, good news. There is. And that's what this teaching series is about. And though Dave originally gave this message back in 2008, the truths and principles contained here are every bit as applicable today as they were then. We also want to say thank you to Pastor Andy Stanley, whose book, The Best Question Ever, served as a major resource for Dave's study. Now, here's Dave with the first installment of Decision Making 101. As we step into a new year, it's time for all of the annual award shows to go on. I guess what, Queen Latifah is hosting the People's Choice Awards this next week. And after that, in quick succession, we'll have the Golden Globes and the Emmys and the Grammys and the Tonys and the Oscars. And the only one that really matters, to my way of thinking, the ESPYs, the ones that really matter, the sports, of course. I've got to admit, I'm really not in, apart from the ESPYs, into the award shows that are going on. I'm more into the crazy stuff. Have you ever heard of the Darwin Awards? Uh, the Darwin Awards is strictly tongue-in-cheek, but the Darwin Awards, this is online, but they are those given to those people who make the stupidest decisions of the year. And typically the decisions, well, in fact, they usually always are, given posthumously, because the people usually kill themselves making these dumb decisions. But I love to watch the Darwin Awards because it's amazing to think how stupid people can really be. And so I, here's an example from the Czech Republic, date, dated July 7th of two, 28th of 2007, a pack of thieves attempted to steal some scrap metal from an abandoned factory in Kladno. Unfortunately for them, the steel that they selected to pilfer were the girders that were holding up the roof of the factory. (laughs) Yes, you know what happened. The good news is they stole the girders. The bad news is the roof collapsed, killing two of them and injuring three others. They won a Darwin Award for this. Another, that's another series of awards I like. You can see this online. Dumbest criminal acts of the year. Have you ever seen that one? Well, that one's good for a snicker as well. Here's, here's my favorite. Dateline, Seattle, Washington. A man attempted to siphon gasoline from uh, a motorhome parked on a Seattle street. And he got a bit more than he bargained for. Police arrived at the scene to find him curled up in a fetal position, very sick, with some spilled sewage mysteriously next to him. (laughs) A spokesman said that the man admitted trying to siphon gasoline from the vehicle, but plugged his mouth hose into the sewage tank by mistake. (laughs) The owner of the RV declined to press charges, saying it was the best laugh he'd had all year. (laughs) Iona, Michigan made the list. 
with an account of an intoxicated man who tried to rob a service station. When the attendants refused to hand over the money to the obviously drunk man, the drunk man threatened to call the police on them. (laughs) They still wouldn't give him the money, so the robber called the police. And of course, he was arrested. Oh, man. Finally, there's a story of a guy wearing pantyhose on his head who tried to rob a store in the mall. When the security people came, he quickly grabbed a shopping bag and pretended to be shopping. There was only one problem. He was walking through the mall with the pantyhose still on his head. There you go. Yeah, we laugh, but when you stop and think about it, there's not a person here who has not been guilty of making some pretty boneheaded decisions. Is that not true? And we can look back, whether it's in 2007 or any years before that, and there are cars we wish we hadn't bought There are investments we wish we hadn't made. There are invitations we wish that we hadn't accepted and relationships we wish we would have stayed out of. Jobs we shouldn't have taken. Phone calls we shouldn't have returned. Emails we shouldn't have sent. And contracts we shouldn't have signed. And if you're like me, you look back at your life and go, what was I thinking? How dumb can a person be? Why would I have done something like that? And the real kicker is, many times somebody warned us, you really don't want to do this. Or we just had a sneaky feeling, call it the Spirit of God, call it just common sense. We thought to ourselves, this is not too smart, but we did it anyway, didn't we? Because we thought, I'll beat the odds. I'm not like everybody else. It'll work out in my case. Bad decisions. Some terribly embarrass us. Others tragically scar us. We wind up in a bad marriage. We wind up in terrible debt. We wind up having lost our job. We lined up with our future compromised, our reputation ruined, and our testimony for Christ shattered. And having observed so many people who say, why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? I thought that we would be, do it, be served well if I would begin a brief teaching series here in 2008 called Decision Making 101. How do we make good decisions? How do we make good decisions? I've come up with several points of observation before I give you the bottom line. Here's the first observation. Nobody ever plans on messing up their life. But few of us ever plan not to. Isn't that true? Nobody ever gets up in the morning and says, let me see how I can really ruin things today. Let me see how I can really mess up my marriage. No one plans on messing up their marriage, but very few couples plan not to mess up their marriage and to beat the odds of 50% ending a divorce because they won't do anything about enriching their marriage. Nobody plans on losing their kids, but very few parents are strategic in the discipling of their kids. Nobody plans on being maxed out on their credit cards. Nobody plans on being addicted to alcohol. Nobody plans on losing their job. But the fact of the matter is, an awful lot of us don't have anything in our life that would keep us from doing that. So I'm going to offer you a filter in this brief time we have this morning by which you can evaluate every decision in 2008. Every relationship... Every way you spend money and every bit of time that you have works with this filter. In a moment, I'm going to give you this filter, which, as you imagine, comes right out of God's Word. But I'll tell you going in, you are not going to like it. 
it will be very hard for you. Not that it's hard to understand, but it will be very hard for you to courageously apply it. Here's why. In addition to the occasional dumb decision, you and I have something else in common. We are very good at deceiving ourselves. Quite frankly, we lie to ourselves. Take it from me. I'm a master of self-deception. I have talked myself into more bad financial decisions, more bad relational decisions. I've talked myself into all kinds of stuff. And enough enough self-talk going, I can make anything bad look good for a while. And then it bites me. How about you? We talk ourselves into it. Which lends itself to a second observation I want to show you. Every poor decision typically begins with self-deception. Every poor decision typically begins with self-deception. We lie to ourselves. We don't speak the truth. Consider these classic lines. I'm sure that you would never use one of these lines, but I've been known to use them all. It's only this once. I haven't had any all week. It won't hurt anybody. I can afford it. I'll be careful. I can handle it. I'm different from other people. I know what I'm doing. Again, I know that none of you would ever use those lines. But I've used them all. And chances are, you have as well. Many of our greatest regrets began by having poor choices that we convinced were good ones. So, I'm all for staying off of the most stupid people list for 2008, and my guess you are as well. So let's find a filter that may serve us well. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. New Testament book, about halfway through. It's my favorite book in the whole New Testament. The book of Ephesians is just chock full of insight. As you're opening up to that, let me give a word of acknowledgement. There's a guy named Andy Stanley, a passionate author, who uh, gave me some great ideas for this teaching series, and I want to give him credit for that. The book of Ephesians is so good because it really has two parts. Call the first part orthodoxy, the second part orthopraxy. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about all that you have in Christ. All that you have in Christ. All that you are once you have Jesus. Basically, it says you have become a totally different person with Christ. It's more than cosmetic. From the inside out, you've been changed. You've been changed. Your past is forgiven. Your future is secure. And your present is transformed. You've been totally changed. Your whole identity. After expounding upon all the benefits of being in Christ, in the second three chapters, Paul then says, Now, in light of who you are, here's how you should live. You're not the person you used to be. So start living in a different way. That's what he says in the book of Ephesians. He begins it in 4.1. You have Ephesians? Again, this is beginning the second half of the book now. In light of the whole first three chapters, chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, you may want to underline the next line, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Man, he says, you've got so much. 
You've got so much now. You have so much to come. Live a life worthy of that. And then for the next chapter and a half, he just unpacks specific ways that you can live differently. He addresses things across the whole spectrum of life. Practical advice that you would do well to read through in detail. He concludes it or climaxes it in chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once, he says, you were once darkness. Now, circle the word now, now, in light of who you have in Christ, now, in light of this whole new relationship you have with Jesus, now, he says, now you are light in the world. Underline the next five words, live as children of light. You're no longer what you used to be. You're no longer what you used to be. You're something different. Live like it. Live like it. Very practical book. Solid stuff. Then, having given us some real specific ways that we can do that, he provides for us a filter, a grid through which you can make every single decision as a Christian. Thank you for listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will be back in just a moment with the rest of his message. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you'll never have to search for new episodes. They will just come to you automatically. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review and giving us a five-star rating. And then share this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, just go to davedeselmministries.org and click on the donate button. Dave DeSelm Ministries offers resources for everyday pastors so they can equip the everyday people they lead to become everyday disciples. And one of the ways we do that is through the Everyday Pastor blog. In each post, Dave offers practical insight and personal experience born of over 40 years of pastoral leadership. This weekly blog covers topics everyday pastors and leaders need to strengthen their skills, sharpen their vision, and care for their souls. You can find the Everyday Pastor blog on our website, davedeselmministries.org. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button and you can have each new post sent directly to your email inbox. Now let's get back to Dave and that simple question that will transform your decision-making. He provides for us a filter, a grid through which you can make every single decision as a Christian. It comes out of 515. Take a look. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Underline the line, not as unwise, but as wise. Here's the filter. It's a filter by which you can evaluate every decision. The filter is simply this. Is this wise? Is this wise? Now, some of you look very disappointed. You're going, is that it? That's it? That's it? Yeah. And over the next week, we're going to answer this across... Multiple things, but specifically as it relates to your time, your money, and your relationships. For example, in light of my past experience, 
In light of my present circumstances and in light of my future hopes and dreams, is this the wise use of my time? Should I do this? In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, is this a wise use of my money? Is this wise? Is this wise? Is this wise? Here's why we need to ask that question. All too often, Christians ask the wrong question. They will ask this one. Is there anything really wrong with it? Is there anything really wrong with it? The assumption is, if there is nothing really wrong with it, then it must be okay. If it's not illegal, unethical, or immoral, it must be okay. If there's not a specific thou shalt not, then God must be saying, thou shalt do it. And that's the wrong question. Just because something is not told that it's unethical, immoral, or illegal, doesn't mean it's the smart thing to do. Is this wise? Here's where we get into trouble. We don't ask that question early on. And that first decision bites us. I'll give you an example. What's so wrong with me working 60 hours a week right now? My kids are young, and I'm trying to save for their college. By working this overtime, we'll have enough for their college. Is there anything in the Bible that says, thou shalt not work 60 hours of work? What's the question the person failed to ask? Is that wise? In light of your kids, now, is that wise? See? Here's another one. What's so wrong with me doing that with my boyfriend? After all, we've set our limits, and we're only going to go so far. What question did she not ask? Is that wise? What's so wrong with buying this? Hey, 60% off, no payments till 2009. We can afford this right now. We can, we can. What question have they failed to ask? Is it wise? Was that, is that wise? What's so wrong with having dinner with her? I know we're both married, but hey, this project demands a lot of time together for these months. It's strictly business, and we can accomplish a lot over, over dinner. What question has the man failed to ask? Is it wise to go to dinner with another woman? See how this works? Is it wise? Not, is there anything really wrong with it, but is it wise? As a pastor, i got to tell you, in 30 years, I have heard more heartbreaking stories of marriages drifting apart, of people who have lost their kids, of couples who have ended up in financial hot water, of individuals who got ambushed by an affair, who are now engaged in any number of addictions, and every single one of them could be traced back to a moment when they had to make the first decision. And in making that first decision, they did not ask the question. What's the question again? Is it wise? And it grew up and it bit them. Is it wise? Is it wise? Let's take it out theoretical to make it real practical. Go back to last year, or a couple years if you want to. What is one of the greatest regrets of your whole life? What is one of your all-time greatest regrets? Where you think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Got it in mind? Now turn the person. No, I'm not going to have you turn the person next to <laughs> Ask yourself this question. What if I would have asked the question 
before I ever would have done it. Is this wise? I look back at a lot of mine, and if I'd have asked that question and answered it responsibly, would have changed everything. Be very careful then, 5.15 says, how you live, not as unwise as wise, making the most of every opportunity. We're going to talk about that next week. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish. Notice the phrase, the days are evil. Listen, friends, this world is not your friend. It wants to have you for lunch. And as it relates to your use of time, money, and morality, this place is no different than what it was for Paul's friends back in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. And back in his day, there were people who were plucked out of the miry clay and were standing on the rock thrilled about Jesus. But over here was this system that kept on winking at them and advertising to them, and calling them. And over time, the Christians began to move closer. They knew where the line was, but they got closer and closer and closer, just like some of you are. I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm different. And you've not asked yourself what question. Was it wise to even move close to the line? Paul says, the days are evil. Don't be careless. This is not a morally neutral environment. You'll be drawn right back into the muck and the mire from which you were taken if you're not careful. Tell you, friends, one of the big reasons why we deny reality is because we lie to ourselves. You know what one of the reasons is why Americans eat so poorly and exercise so little? You say, lack of discipline. That's not the reason. They eat poorly and don't exercise because they deny reality. Once you've had a heart attack, you watch how quickly you change your diet. You watch how quickly you get on that treadmill. Why? Because all of a sudden, you realize what reality really is, and you stop lying to yourself. For some of us, Physically, it took a crisis for us to realize, I'm making some unwise choices. For others of you, what's it going to take? A note from your spouse's attorney? A DUI? Having to pick up your kid at, at Wood Youth Center? Being so maxed out on your credit cards that you can't even see straight? What is it going to take before you start realizing, I better understand reality. And the reality is, I am asking the wrong questions. And I need to start asking, is this wise? Over the next weeks, we're going to talk about this Some of you I know are sitting here going, I wish I would have heard this a year ago. I wish I would have heard this 10 years ago. I hope the others are listening because it's too late for me. No, it's not. Will you have to live with the implications of your poor choice? Yes. But you do not have to live alone with them. 
We sang a song earlier about God's mercies being new every morning. And we serve a God who is outrageous in not only in his forgiveness for our foolishness, but also who is willing to meet us right where we are and to help us start from here, living a different kind of life. And he can be more redemptive than we might have ever dreamed in repairing the damage of bad decisions if we will give our lives to his hands. It is not too late for you unless you refuse his offer of forgiveness and capacity in a new life. My prayer is that you will come to grips with that as well in these weeks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have to admit to you that many times I have asked the wrong question. I've looked for ways to lie to myself. I've looked for ways to excuse my behaviors. I've looked for reasons why I could compromise without feeling so bad. And many times those things bit me so bad. I have so many regrets in my life because I've been so unwise. Please help me to be wiser. Give me insight. Give me courage to ask the right question. And may not a one of us in this room think that it's too late for me. Help us to see that you have options for every one of us and that forgiveness is beyond our wildest dreams. May we learn well and may we live well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.